be careful. We got so many people about to have babies. It's just amazing and it's really wonderful. Malachi chapter 3, look at this, verse number 8. A question is asked, will a man rob God? What an awful thought. Who would ever think to rob God? No one would set out to rob God. The question is answered, however. It says, yet you have robbed me. God is saying this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, question number two. You say, how? In what way have we robbed you? Answer number two, from God in tithes and in offerings. And then he goes on to tell the fallout of robbing God. You may rob a lot of people. You may rob uh, Peter to pay Paul. You, don't rob God. Of all the things that anybody could do, let me caution you strongly. Don't rob God. There's a fallout. There's a consequence. Verse number 9, you are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he tells how to break the curse, how to remedy that fallout. Verse 10, bring all the tithes. Somebody say, all the tithe. Does anybody know what that means? How much of the tithe does that really mean? Does it mean half of it? Does it mean most of it? Does it mean some of it? My Bible says all the tithe, and I believe all the tithe means all the tithe. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there would be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to just thank God right there for His Word to us and His promise to us that He would open up heaven and pour out blessing on us. But look at this. Verse number 11 says, And. Somebody say, And. And means there's more. Hang on. There's more. And it says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. And I'll give you time right here to give God thanks for that portion. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, I'll pour out blessings on you so much that you can't even contain it all. You can't even receive it all. I'm going to overflow onto you. And, he said, bonus, I'm going to rebuke the enemy. But there's more. This is like one of those commercials. If you act now, I'm going to double it. So much better than that, though. Look at verse number 12. It says, and again which means there's still more that God wants to do. And, verse number 12, all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, Father, we ask that you would captivate our thinking. Let us not be distracted in any manner. You have come into this house with purpose. You have anointed your word with an assignment. And I pray, Lord, that what you have intended to happen by your powerful word, that would happen. Let it not return to you void. Let it accomplish what you've sent it to accomplish. Change us today by your word 
And if you want to be changed by his word, say amen. amen. Folks, today we continue in our focus and our study of overflow. God whispered a word into my spirit some months ago, even before we stepped into this calendar year. About November of last year, I prayed, God, what do you want to say this next year? Where are you going to lead us? I heard one word. It was restoration. It leaped up in me. I didn't even know what exactly he meant by it. But I knew he spoke it to me, Brenda. And he began to restore some things in this house. Restoration began to occur at La Palma Christian Center. What the enemy had stolen away, all at once it began to come back to us. It began to be restored to us. The next word that God whispered to me was, Oh, you ought to know it by now, church. We talked about it for about nine weeks. Somebody say turnaround. Turn Restoration. Turnaround. After he restored some things, he started turning some things. Starting with our own hearts, our own minds, our own attitudes, our own actions. And it, it grew from there. And we saw great, great turnaround. And the next word that he whispered to me was, overflow. It's time for overflow now, church. It's time to get to the place of overflow. We found out that there is such a place of overflow, and it's not just a place that you visit. It's not a place of visitation. It should be a place of habitation. Found out that there are paths that will take us to the place of overflow. Let me just quiz you real quick and see what you learned and see maybe what you remember. And if you stayed over, you were in the 815 and you stayed over to the 1030, you're not permitted to give the answers right now. I have some people that love this church so much, they come at 815 and they just stay for the 1030. They just want to worship God and learn of God. They just stay. They're just in his house and they, they're excited. I love that. But don't answer. <laughs> you already know where I'm going. There's a path, right? There's a place of overflow. I want you to kind of see an imaginary, say, oasis over here, right? This is a place of overflow. You've been traveling as a nomad through a barren desert. You're dry. You're thirsty. You're ready to get to the place that God has for you. A place of overflow, but there's, there's paths to get us there. There's, there's steps that we must take. What's the first step? The first path that we had to get on? Proverbs chapter 3. Anybody remember? Trust. That's right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the first step. It's the first pathway that we've got to get on that will take us to this place of overflow What's the next path? Lean. Come on, lean on your neighbor right there a little bit. Come on, lean on her. Well, this leaning is not on your neighbor, and it's also not leaning on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So we found out path one is trust the Lord. Path two is lean on the Lord. What's the third path, church? Acknowledge. Acknowledge. Talk about God every day and in every way. 
Because remember, without God, you're nothing. Remember, without God, you can do nothing. Remember, without God, you can accomplish nothing. How about we just start acknowledging God every day that we can and for everything that we can. It's God that helps us. It's, a, it's another step and another, another pathway that will get us to this place called overflow. Trust in the Lord. Lean on the Lord. Acknowledge the Lord. Number four. Say it out loud. There we go. Who said it, by the way? There we go, Kathy. Thank you. I was looking at somebody else. You're like a ventriloquist right there. <laughs> Honor the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 goes on to exhort us and encourages us to honor the Lord with our possessions so that our barns will be brimming and our vats will be overflowing. I don't know anybody that doesn't want a brimming barn and an overflowing vat, but there's some steps that we've got to take to get to that place. So we found the path. So here it is, this place of overflow. But you'll notice, now again, you've got to kind of get your spiritual glasses on here and, and see this with me. There's a gate. There's a, there's a door. You have the keys in your hand. Just because you get to the place of overflow does not mean you're actually going to get into this place. Some people will see it from afar. Some people will see it up close, but they'll never actually enter into the place of overflow. Why? Because there are prerequisites. Now, this particular congregation, this particular uh, crowd, the 1030 crowd, you missed the, the message on prerequisite. So I'm just going to cut to the chase and I won't quiz you right here. There are two steps, two requirements. A prerequisite, by the way, is something required beforehand. You want to get to the place of overflow? You've got to do something before the gate is going to be open. Two things, this is out of Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28 is where we went on this particular Sunday. Just two things. Observation is required. Observing the Word of God. Observing the way of God. Observing the world. We can't just stick our head in the sand and pretend like the world isn't changing all around us. We've got to be observant. Observation is required and it's followed by obedience. Those are the two keys. You've got to have, there's two locks here to get in, see. You've got to have both, observation and obedience, and all at once we unlock and the gate swings open and we get to go in. Mm -mm. Anybody ready to go in with me? You ready? Y'all ready? So we're in the place of overflow but what is in there? What's waiting for us? That's what I want to just take the next few minutes to talk to you about. It's the provision that is provided in the place of overflow. The first thing that God wants to provide for us is prosperity. Now when I say the word prosperity, some get excited and some put up a wall and get a little skeptical. Because unfortunately, some of the televangelists over the years have misrepresented what prosperity is all about and what true prosperity even means. I want to try to clear up that a little bit today, but I want you to understand 
God does want to prosper you. God's longing to prosper you. God's waiting to prosper you. Bring all the tithe, verse number 10 of our text here today, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there would be food in my house. By the way, this storehouse that it, uh, the Bible is speaking of here, it is the local church. If you call La Palma Christian Center your home, if you're a voting member or a regular attender, then you should be bringing your tithe into this storehouse. If you are not a member here, you have no obligation whatsoever to bring your tithe here. And in fact, I would encourage you not to do that. You need to bring your tithe to the storehouse that is your home. That's how God de designed it. That's how God wants to bless you through that, that channel. But if this is your home, whether you have gone through the membership class or not, you're a regular attender, you should be bringing your, your tithe into this storehouse. Oh, I knew somebody to help me right there. Bring your tithe into the storehouse that there would be food in my house, the Lord says. And he said, try me now in this. See if I won't open the windows of heaven for you and pour out such blessing that you, there will not be room enough to receive it. That sounds like overflow to me. So much blessing from the Lord, we can't even receive it all. We've got to share it with somebody else. Some believe God's plan for His children is poverty. I'm telling you there are people who actually teach this. Poverty equals holiness. Poverty equals piety. Poverty gets you closer to God. I don't believe that, church. I really don't. I believe God wants to bless and prosper his children. I believe God's plan for us includes prosperity. God delights in blessing us. God longs to bless us. In 3 John verse 2, the Apostle John said these words, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. The Greek word for prosper right here, it's eodu, and it translates to help on the road. It translates to succeed in reaching. And here, folks, is the reason God wants to prosper you. It's not about you. It's not about me. God wants to prosper you in all things and in all areas so that you can be helped on the road and you can succeed in reaching somebody else. So if you have this mindset of God really doesn't want to prosper me, I hope to change that today. I hope you will see today that in fact God does want to prosper you. America has a bit of a warped understanding of what prosperity means. You see, I'm of the mindset that you ought to be able to preach the Word of God in its context in any nation in the world, including the third world countries, folks, which is the majority of our world, by the way. We forget that sometimes. The vast majority of our world does not live like we live. I still say this preaches and this works 
And I believe God wants to prosper every believer. And I believe He will, in this place of overflow, He will prosper us so that we can be a blessing to others and we can glorify God and we can point others to God. Floyd shared a testimony with me and I've asked if he wouldn't mind just coming real quick and sharing this with you, this testimony of God's prosperity. farming town way out. I mean, it was, it was easy to get to from the back side of the base. You could walk to it in an hour if you uh, had to get to it any other way by going around our base coming up. You would have to take a four-wheel drive and it would probably take you about two to three hours to get there that way. So we could get there that way and we took one of the local pastors back there to, to establish a church. And, and um, when uh, he was teaching them about Tithing, uh, there was a lady in the church, single woman, widowed, and she had a, a small farm. She grew rice, and she was considering, well, I, I don't have the money to pay 10% of what I have. How am I going to pay my tithe? And the Lord told her to section off 10% of her land, and that's what she did. Wow. Such a great testimony of a lady's faithfulness in an impoverished community. So it, see, folks, it doesn't matter how much you have. We think if I have more, then I'll start giving to God. When I get to this place, then I'll start giving to God. Then I'll start tithing. It's a warped and flawed mentality because you won't ever get there. There'll always be something else you want to spend it on. See, a tithe, write this down, a tithe is 10% of all your increase. Tithe equals 10% of all your increase. If you get, Christly, if you get $10 for your birthday, you give a dollar back to God. And that, my friend, is tithing. Simple math, really. It's so simple, we make it hard. God's plan for us includes prosperity. God's plan for prosperity for us includes us tithing. We'd love to just skip that part, I, I think, sometimes. Can't do it. It's a critical step. It is an absolute necessary step. 
You can't skip this and then go on to enjoy all of the benefits and all the provision over here in this, in this great land, this great place of overflow. Ah, who doesn't want to get to the place of overflow? Well, we've got to do our part. Prosperity will wait for us there. It's provided for us there. Protection is something else that I see God wanting to provide for us in this place of overflow, abundance and surplus of protection. Look at this, verse number 11. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in its field, says the Lord of hosts. Can you imagine the Lord taking a, 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 a line and saying, devil, you cannot cross that line. I will not permit you to do any more to her, any more to him, because she's faithful, because he's faithful. He said, you can even try me in this. Test it out for yourself, God says. See if I won't do this. Protection from God. One thing that I pray for my family every day, it came from the prayer coach. It's a book written by Jim Nicodeme. We did a study on it a year ago, and it transformed the way we pray. I still refer to this book and the teachings often. If you are new since then, it would be worth getting this prayer coach by Jim Nicodeme. Go on Amazon, you can get this. It's so worth it. Really, really great. He said there are three axis, uh, evil axis powers that we should be praying for protection. There is protection from the world and just the lust of the world, the allure of the world, worldliness. We need to be praying protection over our families that we would be protected from the world. There is protection from the flesh. Our flesh, if we don't fight it every day, our flesh is going to lead us to do things that we, we would hate to do. We do hate to do. Say things that we should never have said. Why? Because we let the flesh rise up and we're not praying to be filled with the Spirit every day and being Spirit-led, Spirit-prompted, producing Spirit-fruit. So we've got to be praying for protection from our own flesh. And then, of course, we should be praying for protection from the enemy. There is a real enemy out there. Don't forget about that. Don't be lulled into some place of la-la land that you forget there's a real devil out there and he hates your guts. And he's doing everything in his power and in his ability to pull you down to disgrace you and humiliate you, but it goes far beyond that. He's actually trying to destroy you because the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and to destroy. I pray for protection. I plead the blood of Jesus. But I want you to imagine God himself protecting you. Oh, there's no protection like this on earth. Some people really pour the money into their, their auto insurance, right? They get full coverage, right? How many have full coverage? Full coverage. Others just get collision, you know. We won't, I'm not asking for those hands. 
Full coverage. I'm telling you, the, the first little ding in the windshield, it's covered, right? Get a flat tire, it's covered. We got AAA. They, they'll come and change my tire. They'll come and unlock. If I lock my keys, if my wife locks the keys in the car. We get on the phone. We call AAA, buddy. They're there in 20 minutes, and they get you on the road. You know, we're covered, right? We're protected. So why will we not see with spirit eyes and know that the protection that comes from God is so great? It protects everything in our lives. He wants to protect an abundance and surplus, an overflow of protection, protecting us, protecting what we have, protecting our spouses, protecting our children, protecting everything, folks, protecting our field, protecting our fruit. If we're not obedient in this area... We're fair game. We're fair game. In fact, it says, and it's strong language, I know, but I can't change it. I cannot massage it to make it sound better and make it more palatable. It says that we are cursed with a curse. We go around life, Christ followers, go around in life frustrated and wondering why. Trying to blame it on the devil. Might, you know, he could have had a part in it, but he gets more credit than he deserves. Because sometimes it wasn't the devil at all. It was our own disobedience back over here. See, I know nobody wants to hear that today, but it's the gospel truth. We even want to blame God. God said, I'm just waiting to pull the lever. I'm just waiting to turn the wheel and open up the floodgates. I'm waiting for you. I gave you the keys to get in the gate. I'm waiting for you to do what's right over here. I'm waiting to protect you. Rebuke the devourer. Can you imagine God rebuking? No, you cannot torment him any longer. You cannot come against her anymore. There's a line. And he rebukes the devourer for your sake. God, let us see this today. God, let us get this today. Prosperity is waiting for us. Protection is waiting for us. Position is provided for us in this place of overflow. Verse number 12 says, All nations will call you blessed because you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. See, when you're obedient to God, other people notice. Other nations were noticing the obedience. Other, other nations, God had elevated, see, to a place of position to where others were looking and trying to figure out what's, what's the difference. What are they doing maybe that we're not doing? And they're wanting to learn now from that. God has no problem putting you in a place of position. You thought it was just because you were so good looking that the boss called you in two weeks ago to give you that bonus. You thought it was just because you knew how to work hard. You went to school and you had all the, all the talents and all the gifts. No. Maybe it's because you were obedient and you're just faithful day after day and week after week. No matter how hard the winds blew, you still were faithful in giving to God and tithing to God. And I don't want to fall off this stage right here. 
the ups and the downs came, the economy was good, and then it crashed down, and you were just steadfast, you were just faithful, you just kept doing what God said to do. Maybe that's the reason why you got positioned the way you did. And all at once you're managing people that you weren't managing before. You were being managed. You were overseeing people, and you were, uh, it all flip-flopped. You were the one being uh, overseen. You think that's by chance? I don't think so. I think God wants to elevate you so that you can elevate Him. God wants to position you so that you can point to Him and let the light and the salt be seen and tasted in a dark and thirsty world. Position is provided. There are two more things that I just want to drop in your spirit. The fourth provision that I saw is peace. Wow. What a commodity. The commodity I believe that most need, and it is the commodity that most lack. Peace. You're working with people who have no peace. They have no peace in their, in their home. They have no peace in their marriage. They're working so hard to get and gain no peace. I, this is something that maybe you weren't expecting to find in this place over here, this place of overflow. Oh, wow, I feel different. I'm not worried anymore. I'm not all stressed out. I'm at peace. What if they take your home? What if they, what if they take your car? Repossession. What if you get laid off? What if this, what if that? The doctor tells you you've got cancer. What do you do? You've already, you've already taken the steps to get to the place. You just rest in peace. I'm at peace. They take my home, God will provide. They take my car, I still got my bike. Come on now. I mean, really, walk it all the way, play it all the way out. We sit there and bite our nails and wring our hands and, and worry and fret. And what if? What are they going to do? The worst case scenario, Lynn, right? You're still at peace with God. People need peace. You're working next to, some, next to someone that needs peace. They need it greatly. God wants to pour a surplus of peace in you, on you, and through you. Three areas of peace. Mark them down real quick. Peace with your maker. We've got to have peace with God first, folks, or it's not going to work. Peace with God. Peace with your maker. That's just when you accept God's plan for everlasting life. It is through His Son, Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. Uh, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless He comes through me, unless He comes by me. That's, folks, how we get peace with our Maker. Peace with your Maker. Peace in your mind. How valuable is that? To have peace of mind. Look at this scripture. Philippians 
chapter 4, verse number 7. I love this. One of my life scriptures, really. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Just put your hand on your head and say, God, give me peace. Give me peace in my thinking. Give me peace in my mind. Give me peace in my heart. Peace with your maker, peace in your mind, and peace with man. What the world needs now, a song says, is love, sweet love. I say what the world needs now is peace. Father against son, mother against daughter, sibling against sibling, congregant against congregant. Oh, we need peace with one another. How else are we going to reach the world effectively, folks, unless we have peace? And God offers that in this place of overflow. Peace provided. Let me just drop one more that I cannot really develop, and I, that's on purpose, because I don't want to whet your appetite just a little bit. Power. Yeah. Come on, somebody say power. power. When's the last time you've been to God's filling station and got filled up? Power. What's provided in this place? Energy. Power. Strength revitalization. Then you can go out and you can spill that power out. How are you able to do all that you do? I've gone to the place of overflow and I've gotten what's provided for me. Acts 1.8 says, and you shall receive what? Come on somebody, tell me today. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and sure enough, it happened. Acts chapter 2, look what happened. He promised it and he fulfilled it. Verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly, ah, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and it set upon each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm, de I'm devoting an entire sermon, a Sunday sermon to this point. Because we need power. I'm just telling you today, church, I cannot pastor this church without God's power. Wilma, I can't do this without God's power. You can't face all that is on your plate right now without the power and the help of God. We need the power, Pastor Jim. We need the power, Jimmy. We need the power, Robin. We need the power, Marissa. Every person in this room It'd be a shame for you not to tap into what, all that God has provided for you. Yes. You've already found out how to get to the place. You had the keys that will unlock the gate, willing to do what is required beforehand, checking off the prerequisite. There it is. There it is. Are you ready to enjoy what God has provided? 
I want you to bow your heads all over this room today. The provision of overflow. Mm -hmm. There's actually something there. There's prosperity. There's protection. Position is there. Peace and power. Wow. You've got to tap in. Overflow. Abundance. Surplus. More than enough. But folks, we have to understand the key here. It is in giving. It is in tithing. And this area has limited and frustrated so many Christ followers. Stops you dead in your tracks. But I believe today it's all going to turn. That light switch is turning on today for some. I want to ask a question and I want everyone to respect the privacy of others in the room. So I want no one looking around, please, at this time. This is private. I'm not asking you to move from where you are, so don't think once you raise your hand, I'm going to pull you up here. I do that sometimes. I'm not doing that now. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I'll be honest. I struggle in this area of consistently and systematically, faithfully tithing to God. But I want that to change today and for the rest of my life. Will you pray for me? If that's you, I want you to lift your hand and just put it right back down. Come on, this is the first step, folks, is acknowledging. You've got to acknowledge the area of weakness Pinpoint the problem. That's the first step. I believe there are others that have not lifted your hand and you need to. You, you're not a consistent tither. You might give occasionally. You don't even keep track of how much you give. You need to. If God said 10%, then numbers matter to God. We use, we use that as an excuse. Well, I give to God, but I just don't keep track. It's time to start keeping track. Because let me tell you something, God is. God is keeping track. And church, I want to say this. La Palma Christian Center doesn't need your money. Or any other church for that matter. It's not about a church needing your money and some bald pastor talking about money again. I'm willing to gain that reputation. I really am. If somebody, even just one, would find this life-changing principle of faithfully and consistently, no matter what, tithing to God. If you want prayer in this area, slip your hand up and put it right back down. I do not tithe regularly, but I want to discipline myself to rectify this 
from this day forward. Now, Father, you have seen the hands of men and women here today and some students, God, who have courageously and honestly before you exposed this area of weakness and this area of limitation. And I pray now, God, that it is exposed, it would be remedied and it would be rectified. I ask, God, that you help them today. Help them to do what is necessary. Help them to do what is right. And may they never again, may this be a landmark sermon for them. May this be a landmark day for them. From this day forward, until Jesus comes, or until they die, may they settle once and for all. They are obedient in tithing. Hallelujah. Let it be so, God. And let them get on to the land of living, to the place of prosperity, to the place of overflow, God. Abundance and surplus. And we give you thanks and we give you praise. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Just one more thing before we leave with heads still bowed. I wonder, is there anyone here today within the sound of my voice? You have not accepted God's plan for everlasting life, but today you sense Him drawing you and you want to surrender to God's plan. You want everlasting life and you're willing to accept His Son, Jesus Christ, asking Him to come in and be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Just before we leave, let me pray for you. You're ready to accept Christ as your Savior. Lift your hand. Is there anyone here today? Anyone? Amen. I want everyone to stand at this time. What a great, great day to be in God's house. I want to encourage you. Tonight we have a graduation celebration. It's so awesome. We have so many graduates uh, all the way from preschool through master's degrees and uh, everything in between. I want you to come and be a part of this. Uh, Pastor Jim, I'm going to ask you to come and close us in prayer. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Squeeze in a nap if you can and get back here tonight and let's worship God some more. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for visiting us once again, Lord, with your sweet spirit that permeates this house and permeates our hearts. Lord, take the words that have been spoken, Lord, let them be cemented into our hearts so we can use it as application to live for you and to spread your word to the, to the lost and to the darkness that's in this world. Bless us and keep us until we meet again in your precious holy name. Amen. Thank you.